Welcome to Culture Crawl ATX Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr. And this is Donald Scott II. For me personally, uh, this was the best Thanksgiving I've ever had. But it's because I did not have to do anything. And, you know, when I was younger, when you're, let's say, younger pre-high school, uh, Thanksgiving was all about doing whatever your parents made you do. Right. And then you had to go see this family. You had to be out all day. You were probably starving. The food wasn't ready in the kitchen. All the, it's, ah, and it's a whole long day. And then in high school, I wrestled and we had a Thanksgiving tournament after Thanksgiving every year. And so I never got to, um, as a high schooler, experience overeating, let's say like that. And as a matter of fact, I was usually cutting weight. And then I was supposed to have a happy disposition with all of this family that's getting ready to um, uh, eat too much, right? And throw food in the garbage and I would be pissed. Um, And then as an adult, uh, you know, I think college, Thanksgiving, I didn't go home because I couldn't afford to travel. So that always had some emotion. And then now I've got these kids and family and it's like, I got to go pick up my mom at the airport or I got to hustle these kids around or somebody needs something, this, that, and the other. So this Thanksgiving, although everybody was like, oh, Thanksgiving is canceled. I went for a walk and it was awesome. And then I read a book and that was awesome. And I didn't make anybody do anything and no one needed me for anything. Um, and it, I think that's the first, this is probably the first time where I felt free on a holiday to do whatever it is I wanted to do. Now, turns out, right, it's COVID. So, <laughs> so there's nothing really I could do except for go for a walk and, and read a book in isolation. Um, but I had a great time. Uh, and so even though, you know, I know it was disrupted and I know that my family, a decent amount of my family was upset and, and my sister uh, managed Though she, you know, relative to being with family, she was alone, but she was not, you know, solely by herself. Uh, I would, I would take this Thanksgiving over plenty of others, uh, which is kind of random, right? Because we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, I think a lot of people um, that, you know, there, there's a lot of people definitely that are missing family right now, and and just missing connection in general, especially those who don't have anyone to isolate with. Um, but I think you're right. I think that the, the freedom to be able to take a walk and not have to, you know, do the big family thing, hustle the kids to, you know, wherever grandma's house is or whatever, you know, all the stress of the holidays. Um, at least that part has been eliminated. If there's any, you know, good to be seen out of, you know, a lot of the awful stuff that's been happening because of COVID. Um, you know, having that time to take some downtime, to go on a walk, to read a book. I mean, when's the last time we had that? Yeah, so, and usually, you know, if I go for a walk, it's like a rushed walk because I got to get back. Or, um, or if I'm reading a book, it's at the very end of the night and my eyes are burning and I'm just trying to read because I don't want to watch television or, you know, there's always like an agenda for what this experience is, but this time there was no agenda and I could feel it. Uh, it was it was very different. I, I think I cut you off, Michael. Yeah, so so for me, as I just think about my, my Thanksgiving or anytime I think about Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving comes around, I'm always thinking about 
you know, what is it I'm thankful for? Like, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. And for this year, you know, my wife and I, we moved into our new home. Uh, so for, for our Thanksgiving, this is our first Thanksgiving, in our new home. And we were so focused on getting the house and all these other things and furniture that we really didn't plan for Thanksgiving or, you know, really didn't think about doing much for Thanksgiving. Um, and we were going to celebrate Friendsgiving afterwards. But we really didn't put in the, the time, energy, and effort like we normally would. Uh, so I definitely hear what you're saying, Donald, and even you, Raina, just about everything being, uh, what's the word, like the hustle and bustle and distress and having to do all these other things. That's definitely removed. But for me, as a thing about Thanksgiving, I definitely did miss having everybody around, right? I did miss the real Thanksgiving food and the uh, and the turkey or how many other different meat options you have. Mind you, turkey is not one of my favorite meats, but it's, it's always there for whatever reason. But you have so many other, you know, you have mac and cheese, you got those potato pie. So for me, it was like, oh man, I really didn't miss just like feeling of Thanksgiving, right? Um, even though I, you know, my wife and I, we enjoyed it. On Friday, we had a great Friendsgiving up in Dallas with a friend of ours. But just the fact that I didn't have my family and, you know, my friends that I normally spend the holiday with, you know, that was a little sad. Um, but overall, definitely did enjoy Thanksgiving. But it was different, right? Because I was thinking more so about this whole year, right? Just thinking the fact that I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to have a job. I'm happy to have a house, right? I'm, I'm still moving and shaking. And that is what really got me thinking about, oh, you know, what's gonna happen next year, right? You know, so how long are you gonna be in this in this mentality within our society that now we are celebrating, you know, holidays different, right? And now we're having to think about what is it that we really value because the things that we used to do now we're not necessarily doing them the same way. So uh, I heard you guys say that you were spending time with friends, <clears throat> but as far as I know, we are all supposed to be isolated and quarantined. So it sounds like you're breaking some kind of rules there. No, not at all, because you still go grocery shopping, I'm assuming, sir. And my definition of friends is no more than two. So anytime I go to any public, not even, I'm going to say public setting, that, that's not public, but anytime I go anywhere, um, I do not go to more than four. That's including my wife and I. So we go to a couple's places, right? Or we go and her friend and maybe her, her brother or, or some of that nature. But anything above four or five, like, oh, no, you know, we have not done any type of large gathering like that. Other than a protest, which was early in the year, um, or going outside and kind of watching people from afar, right? So I like will still go. Um, to domain, I think we went to the domain two two months ago, and we were not in the hustle and bustle and everything right there, but we were really looking from afar and you know taking it all in. So no, we're not traveling across the the country or outside the um, the country as other people have been doing, completely violating. No, I do believe COVID is still real. You have to protect yourself, social distance. Yes, of course, but people are still moving in society, right? You just have to move differently. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's not that we don't, it's not that we need to stay still. And this is, you know, my opinion, I'm not an expert, but it's not that we need to stay still, but more so is your mindset about how you need to operate now, 
right? You can't just be walking around acting as if there's no pandemic still happening. It's like, that's not the case. But as individuals, as humans, we can't just stay isolated forever because then that's going to lead to other, other challenges and other issues in the long run. Absolutely. And, you know, it already has, Michael. Um, I actually, together with someone I had published a book with, we, through this five-day um, online summit, a couple weeks after lockdown officially hit, and um, we had like 85 speakers that, you know, were anything from helping get your business online to uh, the mental side of isolation and how to um, meditate and bring yourself into a better state of peace. But the thing that we raised money for during that event was an organization called Child Help um, because we were learning, and this was at the beginning, I don't know about now, but uh, child abuse was up 33% just in those first few weeks of COVID, um, you know, with people stressed out, even people who weren't normally the kind of people who would abuse their children. Um, they were calling the hotline and saying, you know, I'm about to hurt my child, please stop me. Um, and so we were raising money for that cause because yet yeah, we, we are social creatures. We don't do well in isolation. Yeah, I'll throw myself under the bus a little bit. We actually went to Mexico. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, so, wow, Donald. Wow. So um, I know that I'm not supposed to do that. And I've been reprimanded by all of my peers, but... For those who know me, uh, I am that person that that traveled the country and the globe connecting other people. So if you wanted to know how an individual was who you haven't seen in a while, you would call Donald because I've probably seen them recently, right? At least connected with them in some form or fashion or, or just was with someone who had just seen them. Um, and so uh, isolation kind of hit our house uh, pretty hard. Um, we did not have any uh, child abuse scares, but I would say that, especially in that, in that first couple days when they never went, well, in Texas at least, COVID hit for us when they were on, we started taking COVID seriously when the kids were on spring break and they never went back to school. <clears throat> and by like April, which was only two weeks later, right? I, I snapped at the whole family, mm. uh, mainly because of Zoom, right? Because that's when you start to learn what things are important to you that you think is important in the moment, but it's not really because what's really happening is you're not managing your own stress. Uh, but so there's been months and we've canceled trips and not done this and not done that. And then with all of the anxiety around the election, I knew that I was going to need to get out of the country. Um, and and I, I do use the word anxiety uh, uh, on purpose because I wasn't sleeping. Um, I'm, my appetite is always off a little bit anyway, but I was like not doing well at work <clears throat> and, and that was as we were leading up into the election. So we were gone for two weeks uh, from like October until post-election, like from like October 25th to maybe November 4th. And I didn't tell anybody, actually, if anybody's listening, uh, it's too late now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 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 uh, 
but we were gone and, and I was, I like kind of isolated myself from any news and only looked at the ocean. I did work, I didn't take PTO. Um, but when I, in between meetings, I would like go down to the beach. Um, and it was very helpful because if I had not have left, I would have been consuming the information every day. And then it turned out when we got back, there still wasn't a president um, chosen. Actually, I don't even think Trump is as conceited and I don't think he will. Um, but just thinking about how we operate in the world, to your point too, uh, Michael, about you know maintaining COVID awareness. Actually, what we learned in Mexico is that the tourism industry, at least of the country, takes COVID way more seriously than people in Austin. Uh, mm. And so we felt so much safer uh, while we were out of the country than we did in the country relative to the fear around the people who may or may not be wearing a mask and whether or not they are spreading coronavirus. Everybody, like I said, at least from a um, tourism perspective, right? And, and that's part of the industry. So I'm not saying the entire country. But I am saying those who were responsible for dealing with tourists, they, they both protected themselves and, and ensured that we were protecting them by protecting ourselves. Um, and so, although I know that I wasn't supposed to do it, I'm happy that we left. And so now what's interesting, and, and I'll stop here, is, is watching all of these other politicians do the same and then get thrown under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so... Don, I, I so actually the last place I had a permanent address was actually Houston, Texas. Um, and but I've been going back and forth a little bit between um, California and Arizona. My my grandma lives in the mountains of Arizona and I, I help her out a lot. So I've I have been careful, but going back and forth, especially, you know, my grandma being a grandma older. Um, but I haven't seen as far as like between those two states everyone who interacts with any customers or anything like that has been masked, sometimes masked and a face shield. Um, I mean, especially LA, but Arizona as well. In Texas, are, are some of the service people not taking those precautions? I think the service people are, but, um, but it's only been recent. So we only recently started mandating masks. Wow. Um, Actually, it was maybe in July, right? End of July, I think. So you figure we closed school in March, April, May, June. And then in July, that's when I believe the governor was like, oh, maybe we should wear masks. Um, but still, you, I still see people, which this is a strange statement, but I think we understand it. Seeing people's noses out, right? Uh, yeah. is, it's still a normal thing. And I'm like, dude, put your nose back. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen that meme with um, someone with their... Uh, male part hanging out of their pants and and then next to someone with their nose hanging out of their uh, mask and they're like it's the same thing dude what's the point <laughs> yeah so uh, it's it's been a little interesting I would say um you know also actually I'm, I'm telling myself now because this is real time speaking of seeing people's noses and acting like COVID so I know that we're not supposed to be doing thing in, things indoors either but uh I don't I don't go to restaurants and we stay pretty isolated but from a mental health perspective, um, I, I need the gym, right? Uh, and so I've been going back to indoor gym 
I try to go when it's super empty. I actually check the parking lot to count the cars before I go inside. Mm. Uh, but even in there, people have their noses out. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, I know that you guys know that we are supposed to be keeping ourselves safe. But then at the same time, I think maybe I'm the one being up. Like, I guess that's what it is. When you see people doing something that looks like they shouldn't be, but, they're, but they are confidently doing it, it makes you question yourself. But I, I have friends who are doctors and, and in the hospital industry and uh, they're like, no, COVID is real and people are still dying. Um, but when I'm at the gym, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe it's not so bad. And so I, I, I can't tell from a re reality perspective, are they putting themselves at risk or am I over cautious? I don't know. So I, I would say that it could be both, uh, but I am definitely leaning towards this eye to the idea that people are, are making you feel that you are overly cautious. And what I mean by that is that if I go down the street, right, or if, if I'm just driving or if I'm going, if I'm passing by a store, if I'm going to go pick up um, some, some food or to go order, I've definitely seen people all around um, the stores, all around places, not wearing masks, right? I've seen people even inside stores not wearing masks, even though outside of the door it says, please, all customers must wear masks, mandatory. I've yeah. still see people break that. Um, so I think as people see other people kind of, you know, quote unquote, break the rules, then they're like, oh, well, I guess maybe this is not as serious as it can be. And to connect this to Thanksgiving is like, oh, well, everyone's going to travel for Thanksgiving and be around people. And people are trying to do the same things for the, for Christmas and for other holidays that are coming up. And people are still looking to travel nowadays. They're saying, oh, well, if people are traveling, well, then it, may, it may not be that bad. And the reason why that's an issue is because we actually don't have the mindset that's needed to actually protect ourselves. So for the guy who goes to the gym or for the gal that goes to the gym, well, if they're going to the gym and they have a mask on, well, why do you have a mask on? Well, you have a mask on because you know there's a pandemic. Okay, cool. So, so you have a mask because you know there's a pandemic. Cool. Well, then why don't you have the mask on fully, right? Or why don't you have, why aren't you not doing what you need to do to protect yourself so you don't? Uh, jeopardize infecting someone else if you are infected, which you may or may not know. Um, so, so I guess that's where it goes back to just overall mindset of the individual people that we have in our community that don't care about what they're doing or don't believe in what. I think it was just yesterday I saw where we had the most single deaths of COVID ever, even since to be ever since we first um, counted the first person. I think it was like over like three thousand. Like I think maybe, it was like two thousand eight hundred sixty-eight. If my if my memory serves me right, about how many people died in one day because of the. In, in my opinion, I think because of people traveling for Thanksgiving and they're not respecting what needs to be done to actually protect themselves, so they can actually enjoy the holidays enjoy life while still being cautious right so you could be cautious and, and enjoy life um with with that will be fine right you don't have to be in isolation for 365 days in order for you to protect yourself against covid and that's my opinion once again i'm not a doctor and you know i think as far as the way that this has been handled it's it's a little perplexing because if we really wanted to say, you know, you can't have this many people in a room, you, you 
and uh, trust me, I, I worked in air travel for many years, as I said earlier, but we shouldn't be having air travel if we're really trying to beat this thing because we have hundreds of people in an enclosed tube for hours at a time sitting shoulder to shoulder. Yet, you know, we can't have more than X amount of people in our home. So why does it make sense that we can fly for, you know, five plus hours across the country shoulder to shoulder in an enclosed tube smaller than a, you know, a building. Actually, there has been a lot of, I guess, um, what is that? Cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. I think is it, right? Because um, like you're saying, Michael, this is, and, and actually, <laughs> this is the thought process that I had. <clears throat> if I have on this mask at the gym, because there's a pandemic, why the hell am I at the gym? <laughs> but, I, but I need to be there in order to support the rest of the tasks and responsibilities that I have. And so that the gym is open puts me in this position where because the gym is open, if I decide not to go, then I'm actively deciding not to do something that will support my ability to thrive. And somewhere in there is maybe self-preservation, but then I also believe that it's selfishness. Um, but I'll never, anybody who knows me knows that I'm, I can be extremely selfish. So I won't even try to pretend like, <laughs> <laughs> pretend like that would be impossible. But, uh, but like to your point, right? Like, or even this concept of flying where when we got on the plane, they were like, uh, you know, every other seat or the middle seats open, right? The yeah, middle seat I've, is open. But I've that person in that. front of you is just as close yeah. to the person who has been to the side of you. So who are we fooling here? What, like, what stories are we telling? But I will say this, when I was at the gym, I saw on the news silently the, the, the what I was reading was that Texas is preparing for the vaccine and the, the images behind the story was United Airlines and travel, mm -hmm. right? And so I think, and I, I sent this message to a buddy, I'll bet that part of the investment dollars in getting out COVID and, and I mean the vaccine and, and the lobbying related to who can travel and the messaging around travel is coming from the travel industry because they represent billions of dollars and lots of interest. Um, and so, and this is United States and, and we know that we are a capitalist society. Um, my guess is that any messaging that we are receiving is, is being curated to create uh, action that benefits those who lose out if we actually were to sit still. A hundred percent agree with that. And that goes back to the gym being open, right? And businesses being open. Yes, I understand businesses need to generate revenue in order to stay and operate. However, I also believe that we do not have adequate support systems for situations like this. And because of that, that's why now we have certain individuals kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Am I supposed to support our society and our economy and, and do what I believe is right for myself? Or am I supposed to 
follow rules from people who I really don't trust. They're telling me I can't travel for Thanksgiving. I can't go anywhere for Christmas, but they're so far away. They lie all the time anyway. It's like, should I even believe them? So now we have this kind of tug and war within ourselves eternally. And that just messes up our equilibrium about what is it that we actually believe we should or should not do. And to comment on your, your topic about the gym, Donna, it's a couple of things. One, you do not have to work in the gym. You can work out outside. You can work out at home. There's many different types of different workouts you could do without going to the gym. Secondly, when I was living at uh, my old apartment complex, and this was maybe back in, was it maybe August or September? maybe august no maybe july i think it was july or august when they reopened back the gym in my old apartment complex and they required people to wear masks so i went there i think twice i think maybe twice i went there maybe twice once or twice i don't remember i went there using the mask and was like i can't do this like i don't want to be working out in a, with the mask and then, and then i started breaking out by my face because i had the mask yeah. and i was sweating i was like oh time out look see so I'm going to do the unselfish thing and I'm not going to take my mask off in the gym. I'm just not going to come to the gym and work out. I'm just going to continue working out at home because that is a lot easier and I feel more comfortable doing that. And instead of having to abide by the rules, which I believe the rules should be there, but it just doesn't fit what I'm trying to do and how I like to work out. Hence why I just started working at home with my wife more and more and we do that anyway. So that's fine. Yeah, they, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, there's uh, an apartment complex that my boyfriend lives at in LA. And what they did, they actually dragged all the gym equipment outside. Mm. Um, not all of it, actually, like probably five or six pieces. But that way, because uh, they did shut down the gym, they didn't open it back up. And they just dragged some pieces outside so that people, I think they still have to wear a mask, but that they can use the equipment and not be indoors breathing around each other. Yeah, so I thought that was a pretty proactive step. We're all we're all trying to figure it out, right? We we yeah. keep making these incremental steps. Actually, I've got a buddy. Um, one of the the other thing, right, is the science. <clears throat> Does a mask actually mm -hmm. help prevent the spread of coronavirus? Uh, we believe that it does if you are also isolated a majority of the time and when and if you must be around others, wear a mask. But nowhere, I don't believe in the science, does it say, go ahead and go to the gym in your mask, <laughs> right? Because we're still surrounding ourselves with people sharing air uh, in, a, in a long-term environment. Because I, I think they also said, originally it was if, you, if you're in close proximity, and then it was, if you're six feet away, then it was six feet away with a mask. Now I believe that they've said, if you have been in the same room with a person for more than some number of minutes over the course of 24 hours or something like that, uh, your chances of, of uh, spreading the virus increase, which is basically saying in-person school is a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> But we've been sending the kids to school. And actually, we, we're homeschooling, which I don't, I don't, again, right? And I, I think what we'll do is call it the normalization of COVID and then trying to figure out who's doing what. But, but I pulled the kids out of school because I knew that was best for me. And 
and I assumed that that was obnoxious. But I was reading something that made it seem like the opposite. In fact, people who are sending their kids to school are the ones that are obnoxious, but they've made everyone else feel that we're being selfish, right? And I get it. There are some people who cannot do their work without school. That's fine. But the question is, are we in a pandemic or not? Not whether or not you, know, you need to pay your rent or feed yourself uh, because the government could very well take care of that, <laughs> right? But we, we con continue to see them either dither or lessen or, or not make action or move forward on, on some of these stimulus packages. Um, yeah. But you know, just the idea that we don't know what right is right? It's become this very selfish, and I don't know if this is American only or if other countries have figured it out or what, I don't know. But it's every man for himself and survival of the fittest right now, uh, which, is not, <laughs> which is not what a functioning society is supposed to be, I don't think. Um, well, I think, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned cognitive dissonance, and then also there's just, there is so much conflicting information. I spoke to someone from Amsterdam the other day and she was telling me about the unrest they were having there just with, you know, you get conflicting information. A mask, a mask works, a mask doesn't work. The death rate's this. No, actually it's that, you know, and you just, both sides are kind of saying two different information as well as the dissonance of you can go to the gym and be on a plane, but you can't, you know, visit a family member. You can uh, shop at Walmart, but uh, the little guy on the corner is going to be closed down. You know, thankfully those guys have mostly opened up and, you know, so we're seeing the death of small businesses yet big businesses are thriving. And so I think, you know, there's just so much conflicting out there that I don't know if it's so much selfishness as people don't know what to believe right now. Even um, Germany, I saw protested the other day and, you know, Germans are the the least likely to go out and protest and they were protesting about the the lockdown and I'm, and obviously we uh, I actually my boyfriend works in healthcare in the hospital too we know what's going on um and yet there's just so much conflicting information out there that you have it's actually become so politicized now too so i want to just share one thing and i'm getting this from the cdc website so 277,285 COVID-19 cases in children have been reported. So that's over 277,000 cases have been reported, ages between the ages of 12 and, oh, let me see. Ooh. Yeah, so the number of those that are infected between the ages of 12 and 17 is actually double the amount of those infected between the ages of five through 11. So with that, I don't know how many students have actually died. I do remember when schools started reopening. I believe I read that like five teachers died in what, mm. like 24 hours. So with all that, when you think about people actually making decisions, whether they're being selfish or they are just making decisions based off of the wrong information, you know, I'm not a parent, so I, I don't know what, what that's like. But as I as I try my best to put myself in the parent's shoes, a couple of things come to mind. Number one, do I actually have the 
the ability to take care of my child while I am working? Do I also do I have the the privilege to hire someone to take care of my child if I cannot? If I do send my child to school and then my child dies, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I, and I think that's like the ultimate thing for me. And I even asked one of my friends, I'm like, you know, this was back in August or July, and I'm like, oh, you know, you send your kids back to school, and I think it was it was, it was daycare at the time, and he's like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, so you're not worried about anything happening and his response was you know I have no other choice like I have to I, mm-hmm. I don't have the the ability to watch him because I have to work and do all these other things and there's a lot of people in that same situation that are making these decisions the same thing about you know going to Thanksgiving traveling for Christmas um, they're making these decisions without in my opinion actually weighing the cost or they just don't believe that this is going to happen to them and to connect that to what I saw, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, I saw a lot of things yesterday. Uh, but what happened yesterday was the governor of California, I think he said three weeks of closing down the state. And you, should, you could probably tell me if that's correct or not, uh, Raina, since you mentioned your, your trip from California to Arizona. Um, but that's three weeks. And that's like now, right? That, that's talking about for the remainder of the year, pretty much. So if that's what what they're doing, how many other states now are going to hopefully make the right decisions so that we cannot have 277,000 of students or or children having COVID-19 because we've actually done what's needed to adjust versus keep on talking about these things, but but they're having being a disconnect between those people that are actually saying it versus the people that are receiving it. Right. And I, you know, I mean, I know that in California right now, you can still, you know, go to a restaurant outside, I believe. Um, I just, you know, it's, I wonder how far we really have to lock down to make an effective dent in COVID. Because like I said, I mean, we're still traveling by plane from state to state. We're still, you know, um, going to gyms with our masks over, not over our nose, you know, there's still so much, um, that people are able to do what, what amount of lockdown will actually, you know, help. And you're right. There's so many people who don't have a choice, you know, if they're an essential worker to go, they have to go to their job, you know, whether that is utilities or hospital care, or they don't have the childcare to keep their child home while they go to work. And so I don't know what, uh, you know, because we've been locked down at various levels for so long now, and you know, it started with two weeks to flatten the curve. Um, But do we need to lock down, like really, really lock down to actually flatten this curve, you know, without air travel, without the gyms? I don't know. That's a hard choice to make. Yeah, and, and you know what, another thing is, I think we had mentioned mindset and and the emotional toll and tax Mm -hmm. especially on those who are um uh essential workers my aunt is an essential worker and her organization is not cleaning they're not so having them social distances basically come to work and uh figure your figure it out but they just went to a funeral for a colleague 
who has passed away as a result of coronavirus. And, um, and she can be emotional about it uh, outside of work, but work expects her to return into the conditions that we know have led to the death of at least one and probably deaths of other people's family members, right? Uh, and so I don't know, I know how she's doing, she's doing okay, but she's doing the best she can. She's yeah. not thriving right now in this environment. Uh, and who knows, like this could, and to your point, if we never lock down, COVID never goes away, how long can people handle and sustain that type of stress? Yeah. And and I would say to that is, and mind you, everyone is different. I know that. And because everyone is different, we need to re reimagine what support really looks like. Because Tom living in a mansion needs a lot, need, needs different assistance than Jerry or Veronica or you know Donald and Michael not living in a mansion, living on paycheck to paycheck, maybe living on food stamps, maybe have a house, but now don't have the savings needed to secure what six months of rent and bills and et cetera. Because we have so many people living in different situations, we do need to reimagine what support actually looks like to give people what they need. Because I am a big believer that yes, we do need to close down for an extended amount of time. And I'm talking about like some serious lockdown stuff. And you know, I, I'm a radical in this, in this sense, uh, because I'm, I'm all about protecting lives first and foremost. However, I'm not pro shutting down the, the country or states and not providing the right assistance to, to compensate that, right? So it's all about reimagining what is it we actually need to do from a stimulus perspective, from a, a, a research perspective, how we engage with people. Now is the time to really invest in infrastructure, to really invest in, um, in connectivity, to really invest in any type of um, health or telehealth, right? Now is the time for us to leverage funding to do that, in addition to, of course, being able to cover people's, um, people's expenses for an, ex for an extended amount of time while we transition them, because COVID is not going to go away. I mean, like, like, I'm, I'm, once again, I'm not a doctor, but just thinking about diseases and thinking about what I was seeing inside, inside our economy today, inside our world, is that this is something that we're going to have to live with. And that goes back to, okay, if I'm living with COVID, well, how should I go to the gym, right? If I am going to go to the gym, which everyone has their, their, their um, choice to do that, how am I going to do that though? Am I actually going to go to the gym? Am I going to protect myself? Am I going to make sure I'm protecting other people? Am I going to wipe down things that I use? Am I going to do all that? Or am I going to believe that I'm not going to infect anyone, no one's going to infect me, and then therefore I'm going to go ahead and do whatever I want to do. We can't have that mindset going to 2021 because what's going to happen, more and more people are going to die. And that's to me just, just what's so alarming is that people have died from this. Whether or not you believe how they died or what the case may be, during the span from March to now, significant amount of people have died. That's to me is a question mark. And I will be asking myself, okay, well, what should we be changing to prevent that many number of deaths? It's very simple to me. 
Right. And, and what, and to what extent do we need to change it? Because obviously, you know, from March to now, most of the country is, you know, like LA, for instance, we've been on some pretty intense lockdowns since March, yet we're still a hotspot. And so, you know, like I said, but we also still have people traveling in and out via airplane. We still have, um, I think our gyms have closed in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, just a lot of things are still going on. It, it would be like, um, you know, just covering up half of a bleeding wound rather than the whole thing. <laughs> and then I'm wondering why it's not stopping bleeding. Um, and so I guess the question is, to what extent do does the country really need to shut down? And like you said, and what kind of support needs to be given to sustain that kind of a shutdown? And then will it be effective even if we do, right? Mm -hmm. So these are a lot of questions that they're hard to answer, really. And, and I would respond to that and I would say, no. <laughs> what I mean by no is that people haven't changed their mindsets. And that's the issue, right? Is that regardless of even if we shut down, because we've, we've shut down, it doesn't yeah. matter how much stimulus we've get, we give because we've given stimulus. It's the fact that our people, our leaders, our, our political leaders, our community leaders, our individual um, um, contributors in our society, they have not changed their mindset, their mentality, what they do and how they do it. And when I think about America specifically, and once again, I'm looking at the CDC website, we've had 14.2 million cases. Out of the 14.2 million cases, 276,000 people have died. I know some people are saying, oh, well, you know, I'm not dying or my family members or I don't know anyone who, who died. So, you know, this is not going to impact me. I know there's definitely some people are thinking about it like that. I know there's others saying, oh, well, it's not white people dying or rich people dying. It's just poor people dying. Oh, let them die, right? Oh, whatever. People are definitely thinking about it that way. I know other people thinking, oh, yeah, 276,000 people died. But look how many people recovered. I mean, what, 14.2 million cases? Ah, it's okay. It's just a flu. It's just a sickness, right? So there's so much like doubt or mm -hmm. or, or, or what's the, either doubt or thinking or like okay, pushing it away, like or deflecting, or either doubt or deflection that's happening around this. But when I see two hundred seventy-six thousand people, I I just say, oh, like I'm not going out in public. I, I I'm completely changing how I operate in a day to day because of what I'm seeing and because of what I'm hearing. And that is the change that we need to make, regardless of how much um, stimulus we get, regardless of how long we shut down, the, the true reality or the, the true defining moment is going to be whether or not Americans, and I'm, now I'm generalizing, whether or not Americans actually stop being stubborn and actually listen and follow the rules and remove this arrogance that we have about ourselves as if like, oh, we are America, so therefore, like, like this is okay. And this is not okay. And I think that's what the issue is that people believe that this is okay and this is not okay, in my opinion. Actually, you know what I was just thinking? Um, to your point about the, let's just focus on the American people um, since, since we, we are here. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, capitalism is antisocial mm. or or sometimes we talk about individuals as being narcissistic or psychopathic, right? But 
what if our society as a collective group is antisocial and has you know, sociopathic tendencies? Because to your point, clearly, right? I'm, I'm gonna talk about myself. Clearly, I don't care <laughs> that people are dying. I've deflected as many different ways as I can. I can run these numbers up and down, right? Oh, there was only two COVID cases in our school, in our elementary school. I looked at the numbers, right? Um, those two, or it was, it was two people who had COVID, they exposed 14. That's not that bad. I can send the kids to school after Christmas, right? I was thinking about this. Um, going to the gym, right? Like I said, I go, to, I, <laughs> I know that it's silly that I go to the gym yet I go anyway. Uh, air, air travel, right? Um, <laughs> as if, I, if I represent the United States right now, I do not care about coronavirus because I'm doing all of the things that I did pre-COVID. The only thing mm -hmm. I'm doing is saying, oh, but I have a mask or, oh, but I'm trying to social distance. But we're supposed to be sitting still. You know what I mean? If, if, the, if the virus transmits person to person, sit down for 14 weeks. If we sat, if we, I think, if, I don't know how you could do it, right? Because somebody's gotta go to work. And I think that's, that's the problem. But then there are other countries that have had zero cases. Like I was talking to a guy in Melbourne, they have zero cases, but they went full lockdown no, no travelers in or out, and they're fairly isolated and they don't have that many people in, in any case. But like they were able to fight it. But I think in, in another town in Australia, they're having a spike because they allow travel to open back up or something like that. So who knows what the answer is, but I, I think some of it might just be, we don't actually care as a group but those who do care, again, right? We, we, I, will start marginalizing you for having compassion and empathy, <laughs> which is the, you know, that's, that's the true nature of antisocial behavior. You know, I was, so I, I, I mentioned I'm on a conservative network that, uh, you know, I hear that other side all the time, as well as, you know, from my friends, Obviously in LA, we're all masked up. We all do this, but I've also, you know, taken planes not to go see my grandma, of course, you know, I'll, I'll, I will um, isolate and drive to go see her. But I think there's, there's two things at play here. One is let's take Americans again. You know, it started a country of rebellion, right? And we look at our movies, we look at things where we're, we're, rooting for the rebel forces, right? Um, the, the ones who aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and then on the other hand, I, I look at, you know, I did the calculation of, you know, 4.2 million and 276,000 dying, you know, being a 0.0018% of death. And I remember when I used to work on the jet and I told someone, uh, you know, who was a, all into business and whatnot, I said, you know, I need you to put your seatbelt on because this many hundreds of people die, like break their necks, break their arms from turbulence every single year. And do you know what the response was? How many people fly? 
And I just stood there blank and he was like, I'll take my chances and didn't put the seatbelt on. And this is private jet. So I didn't, you know, couldn't make him, but this is the mentality that I think a lot of Americans have is, well, I have more chance dying in a car accident. I'll take my chances. Unfortunately, that also means I'll take yours. And that's where the selfishness comes in is, you know, if I wear my nose out in the gym, I'm actually risking your life because the mask protects you. It doesn't protect me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I, I, we were talking in a different group about the marketing around the mask. Uh, and originally the mask was marketed as <clears throat> you need a mask to protect others. And then we very learned, we learned very quickly uh, that we don't care about others <laughs> because right. people wouldn't put on a mask. And so then they were like, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. The mask protects you too. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but everybody knows that's not true, right? Right. <laughs> if, if you are carrying COVID, the point is for the mask to keep you from spitting on me. Right. Uh, Same uh, reason you... You know, we always learn to cough into our elbow. I personally like cough into my clothing, you know, pre-COVID even to not cough, cough all over people, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's why we have the masks is so that it at least blocks part of that. It's not going to do everything. We, we know that as well, but it will help. Yeah, actually, um, it looks like we, we have to close out, but, but I'm going to make this one statement for, for the listeners and then they can, um, they can react, but you made, you made a statement about the country being founded on rebellion. On top of rebellion from one group, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, reading this, um, I'm reading this book about the history of Cuba. Yeah. And it talks about the European wars that were happening during the time of colonization in the Caribbean. And, and as, as, uh, as they move forward into the North American continent and the uh, what is now South American continent, there was mass murder, mm. right? They, they would show up, kill everybody as best they could if that everybody didn't do what they were responsible for, uh, didn't do what they were asked to do. In some form or fashion, that continues to function today, how we think about other people when we call them other right mm -hmm. when i think of somebody who has a pre we you know we call them out you th these people have pre-existing conditions these people might have comorbidities whatever that word is right uh they've created another word for other then then to michael's point it became this concept of uh maybe it's the minorities blacks and hispanics are are um are the ones being uh, uh disproportionately affected all of those are true and our action remains the same, which is we don't care. And this is a place that was founded on like, we don't care, we're here now. And uh, people who's gotta die, gotta die mm. so that we can make this money. That's so true. And on that note, we're gonna close out of Culture Crawl ATX podcast. We thank you so much for listening. And we ask that you take this time to follow Culture Crawl ATX on Instagram and click that like button and follow on your favorite podcast listening platform.